you can remain standing for the honoring of the reading of God's Word, today's Word comes to us from Matthew chapter 7. We are going to read the very, very famous 13 through 14. This sermon is entitled, The Narrow and Wide Gates. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You may be seated. A few weeks ago, uh, I was saying several months ago now, uh, I was able to attend uh, the West Point Museum up in New York. And if you know West Point, West Point is the prestigious United States Military Academy, and they test each cadet rigorously on their physical aptitudes. Now, prior to beginning their push-up examination, all cadets hear the following excerpt. At the end of each repetition, the scorer will state the number of repetitions you have completed correctly. If you fail to keep your body generally straight, to lower your whole body until your upper arms are at least parallel to the ground, or to extend your arms completely, That repetition will not count. And the scorer will repeat the number of the last correctly performed repetition. What was the main message of this excerpt? The main message is that push-ups done easily but wrongly is a fail. And this warning is a warning that applies to all of life. Uh, for for most of my life, I, I I've stayed away from bo- doing pull-ups. I I enjoy doing every other thing in the gym uh, except pull-ups, probably because of their immense difficulty. Uh, about a few months ago, however, I started to incorporate pull-ups into my routine, and uh, and I started doing I started getting up to like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen with ease. And then one day, my brother showed me that I was not extending my arm the entire way. And therefore, I wasn't doing the pull-ups the right way. And so when I tried to do it with the full extension, my pull-up count dropped dramatically to four. Although I've raised that count now, I realize that Jesus' words from today's scripture text are very true. Ease is often proof that I'm doing something wrong. Now, it's not all the time. Some things in life are supposed to be easy. But just listen and bear with me as I explain this principle. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. There is perhaps no greater sermon than the one I am about to preach to you today. Today's sermon is a powerful text informing us not that not every road leads to heaven and that the road that leads to heaven, is easily identifiable by the fact that it is a difficult road to travel. Chances are, if the road that you're on right now is too easy, you're probably on the wrong road. It's, it's kind of like me doing pull-ups. You, you're, if you're popping out 12 with ease, and you've never done pull-ups your entire life, you're probably doing something wrong. 
Uh, today's text blows religious pluralism out of the water and it sinks any form of religious inclusivism. Today's text declares that following Jesus will cost you, and if it's not costing you anything, then you're probably not following Jesus. Those are hard words to bear. Today's text is an uncomfortable text, but it is a much-needed text for this generation. In the upcoming three weeks, Jesus will instruct and elaborate these two verses for us. For example, next week, Jesus will teach us about false teachers. You don't want to miss next week's sermon. Jesus will teach us about false teachers next week who will attempt to get us off the difficult path. In fact, these false teachers will try to gain you to their side by promising you an easier road. And they will win many. Then the week after, Jesus will inform us that not everyone who will cry out, Lord, Lord, on the day of judgment will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Then, three weeks later, to wrap up the Sermon on the Mount and the seventh chapter of Matthew, Jesus will give us a powerful allegory in which a true believer who is walking the hard and narrow path is likened to a house that is built on the foundation of a rock that will remain unshakable in the midst of storm. Now with all three upcoming sermons, the Lord Jesus Christ will essentially extrapolate this morning's message. So today's message is fundamental. It will serve as the foundation from which all three messages coming up will flow out of. This morning's message and the three upcoming sermons will serve to enable the Christian to discern the true believer from the fake one. The sermons will enable us to examine ourselves to see if we ourselves are indeed on the right road to eternal life. Such self-examination is a good thing from time to time as the Apostle Paul once instructed the Corinthian Christians. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Examine yourself. Don't just believe that because you were born into a Christian home that you're a believer. Examine yourself. Are you truly a believer? There is no greater question for you in your entire life. Now the central biblical principle this morning is the road to heaven is an exclusive road marked with great difficulties suffered for Jesus. I'm going to repeat that one more time. The road to heaven is an exclusive road marked with great difficulties suffered for Jesus. First, the road to heaven is an exclusive road. What does that mean? Well, in verse 13, today, Jesus said to enter by the narrow gate. And the gate is narrow because there's only one way to enter into eternal life. Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life. Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, or any other world religion, or even atheistic secular, secular, secularism will not lead you to eternal life. In fact, those religions will lead you straight to the fires of eternal hell. 
As Jesus said in verse 13, those roads lead to destruction. The gospel is the only message which, if believed upon, will save your soul. Now, what is the gospel? The gospel declares four essential truths. Number one, there is a holy God who loves you, but he must send sinners to hell because he is a just God. Second, all of us are born sinners and we all deserve eternal hell for our sins. And that's where we're headed if we don't have Christ. Third, Jesus Christ, who was fully God and fully man, came to this earth because God loved you. He lived a sinless life and then He died on the cross for your sins. Three days later, He historically resurrected from the grave so that number four, point number four, listen carefully, if you repent of your sins and you personally believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord God and Savior, you will have eternal life. You're not born into a Christian faith. You're simply saved because you believe in the gospel that I just declared. The gospel that I proclaimed is the only exclusive narrow road to heaven. There is no other road. It is the only road to heaven. Acts 4.12 There is is salvation in no one else, for there is no... No other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And this is why we evangelize each week. This is why we swallow up our pride and our fear and we reach out to strangers. Because if people die without believing in Jesus, they will die and go to eternal hell. This is not a fairy tale. They will. And this is why we send missionaries to far off countries where people have never heard the gospel. And some might say, well, that's not fair. They haven't ever heard. that. Well, how could God send them to hell? God doesn't send people to hell because they haven't heard. God sends them to hell because they're sinners. Ignorance is never an excuse. And sinners will most certainly die and go to eternal hell, even if they've never heard of Jesus on this earth. And this is why we're not afraid of serving Jesus under difficulty because we know that this life is short and Jesus waits for us with a a reward after our deaths. Some people pity me when I evangelize when it's freezing sub-zero temperatures outside, but I say, great is my reward. Don't pity me. Don't pity those who are suffering for Jesus on on the far reaches of the globe. Their reward will be great. But notice something important in verse 14. Verse 14 states that the gate to heaven is not only narrow, but that the way is hard. Can we get that verse up there? Do you see that right there? The Greek word for hard in verse 14 could be translated several ways. Narrow, persecuted, Pressed hard, compressed. That's what the Greek word means. In other words, the road to heaven is easily identified by the fact it is a difficult road. If if you were to see two roads ahead of you and you see one road that is full of sunshine and ease and you see another one that is gloomy and difficult and tough, what this verse is saying is choose the difficult road. You know the right road by its difficulty. I'm going to say one more time. You will know the right road by its difficulty. I had a student 
who I advised that he take the harder road in terms of academics because this principle is not only applied to salvation, but it's in all of life. It's always the harder major that will give you the greater life opportunities and better pay down the road. Well, the student made a mistake and he registered for classes and only about two months into the semester, he found out that the work was way too easy. He thought that the work would get more difficult because the major was difficult. Two months in, the work was still easy, and he looked up the program that he was in, and he realized he had picked an easier major by mistake. In all of life, often you have to choose the harder road if you want something worthwhile. Heaven is no different. And I would say life is made in such a way to reflect the reality of heaven. Acts 14.22 The Apostle Paul We must endure many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Again, toward the end of his life, Paul gives the same truth to Timothy. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You see, folks, both Jesus and Paul, uh, they're telling us that suffering for Christ is a fact that every Christian who is truly saved will have to suffer in this lifetime. Listen, I want to give you a warning this morning. Next week, you'll hear more on false teachers. But let me just touch on this for a moment. There are many, many voices, religions, teachers, and something known as the prosperity gospel out there that will try to make you believe that it is possible to get to heaven without any hardship for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about hardship for your foolish decisions. Those will invariably come. I'm talking about hardship for Jesus, there will be voices saying, come, I will show you a path to heaven without the hardship for Jesus. And you'll be enticed. There will be days you'll think that you're doing something wrong because your way is hard. But Jesus plainly tells us today that the gate to life is narrow and the way is hard. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And it all makes sense. For if as children of God we are not of this world, and if the devil is real, and if we are truly in a massive war for precious souls, then don't you think that true Christians will be attacked by the devil and by this unbelieving world? Of course we will. This is why Paul uses military imagery over and over again in the New Testament. Christians have the tendency to be fooled into thinking that the war is over and hence they lose their wartime mentalities. They leave off evangelism and discipleship. On any given week, how many Christians in America do you think evangelize? You'd be appalled at the numbers. And they get caught up in trivial, fruitless pursuits. 
This is why Paul in 2 Timothy, who by then is an old soldier, turns to Timothy, a young soldier of Christ, and he exhorts him saying, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. I want you to see something. Notice what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.3, the verse I just read. Verses 2.3-4. He tells Timothy to join him in suffering. In other words, drop all the unimportant civilian stuff and join the fight. Paul extends an imperative invitation to Timothy. An invitation to suffer gloriously for Jesus. Notice that Timothy must choose to take part in it. Good soldiers of Christ actively and knowingly enlist into suffering. And it's like many of the American um, men who served during the generation of World War II. Although they knew about the hardships of war, many nevertheless signed up to join the war against Nazi Germany and Japan. In fact, the entire comic book story of Captain America is based on a superhero who was once devastated because he was physically disqualified from serving in the United States military by medical medical processing. This morning you have two paths in front of you. Each path leads to a different gate. One gate is narrow and the path is hard. The other gate is wide and the path is easy. Which path will you choose? If you're not sure and you're going to make a decision based on where everyone else is going, then you're going to choose the wider gate. Jesus said that very few make it into heaven and that many are currently on the road to destruction. So if you're the type of person who looks at where everyone else is going and you're the type of person who always says, well, everyone else is doing it, then be assured you are going to choose the wrong road. Jesus said most of sinful humanity, because of their very nature, will choose the easier, more comfortable path that is filled with human praise. The path of ease will invariably, however, lead to destruction. This morning's text is the authoritative declaration that hell will be more densely populated than heaven. There will be, at the end of all of this, More people in hell than in heaven. That is what Jesus is saying today. Augustine, in his work, City of God, put it this way. In it, punishment, there are many more than in mercy, so that in this way there may be shown what is due to all. So if the question was, why would God send more people to hell than bring them into heaven? Augustine's answer, which I believe is the correct one. In other words, he puts it just sort of to paraphrase. God sends more people to hell than he does admit to heaven 
because by punishing more in hell, he shows just by the vast number of what everyone deserves. I want you to think about that for a moment. Think about it. I want you, first of all, to thank God if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ. The vast majority of humanity does not believe. Of all the people in the world, God elected you to be saved. You deserved hell, but God in His sovereign love chose you. He chose you, and that's why you believe in the gospel this morning. Not because you're smarter, but because God chose you. If God did not choose you, you would never believe. And that is why you have a strong desire to obey God, no matter what the cost. And that is why you're willing to joyfully suffer along with the rest of the glorious army of the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, I want to leave you with this following principle. The difficulty one experiences while on the Christian road is often a powerful indicator that the person is truly on the Christian road. This is a very, very important precept. Perhaps no work in English literature captures today's sermon more than John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And in 1678, the first published copy of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress came out into the world. Written while in prison, while he, because he was preaching the gospel, in those days it was illegal to uh, publicly preach outside of authorized versions. John Bunyan began this work, and his work has now been translated into over 200 languages and has been never out of print. The complete title of the work is The Pilgrim's Progress from This World to That Which is to Come, Delivered under the Similitude of a Dream. And the book is an allegory of the Christian life. In it, a Christian strives to get into Celestial City, which is supposed to represent heaven. Along the way, he faces many adversities, not the least of which includes certain infamous characters. And so as I close today, I want to leave you with the names of a couple of these infamous characters. These are people you will meet on the road to eternity. First, he meets worldly wise man. Worldly, worldly wise man is a reasonable and practical man who Christian encounters early in his journey. Worldly wise man tries to unsuccessfully urge Christian to give up his religious foolishness and live a contented secular life. You will meet a lot of worldly wise men. People who will tell you that you're silly for being on this narrow road. He meets obstinate Obstinate is a neighbor of Christians in the city of destruction who refuses to accompany him. Hence the name obstinate. Neighbors that no matter how much you how often you preach the gospel to, they will not turn. Talkative. A fellow pilgrim who travels alongside Christian and faithful for a while. Talkative is eventually rejected by Christian for valuing spiritual words over spiritual religious deeds. He talks the good talk, but he doesn't walk the walk. Temporary. 
a would-be pilgrim whom Christian speaks of in a cautionary way, warning of temporary's backsliding before his spiritual progress was complete. You know, as a believer, you're going to encounter a lot of temporaries. People you evangelize to, they look like they're walking, and then 5, 10, 20 years later, you look for them, they're no longer walking. They've slid right back. They've left the road too hard, too narrow. It looks too foolish. Oh, Christian, you're out of your mind. This is only getting harder and harder. We're not getting into the celestial city. There's a giant of despair over the hill. So temporary, and all the men like him, slide into the world. Friends, each of you are currently on one of two paths. The world is filled with worldly wise men, obstinates, talkatives, temporaries. Although the Bible clearly warns us that both homosexuals and adulterers will not inherit the kingdom of God, current false teachers falsely instruct people that both homosexuals and those in remarriages ought to stay in their prohibited marriages, thus securing doom and the wrath of God. If you are on the wrong path today, I implore you, although it is difficult, to leave the wrong path of sin and to get on the narrow path to eternal life before it is too late. Isaiah says this in in the 35th chapter, verse 8. A highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way. And fools will not wander on it. Let us pray. Father in heaven, two roads.